0: Hello and welcome to episode 60 of The Solid 60. Uh, Anyone in their right mind would probably stop it at the 60, just to make the title fit. But no, of course I meant to do this for 60 years, not 60 episodes. Uh, They're considering the paltry amount of downloads and feedback I'm getting so far. Yeah, a lot of people would probably hand in their podcast card or whatever you would call it. But hey, I'm here for the long term. It's a bit of fun. It's a way to vent and be a lazy blogger slash audio diary thing rather than actually sitting down and writing something as much as i do enjoy that once i get into it it's way too easy to jump on netflix or something else which i've been doing a lot lately it's already the 21st of august so it's yet yeah, it just keeps uh, stretching out the amount of time between these things though to be fair a large reason for that is because i managed to lose my fairly decent microphone a rhodes Thing which was a bit awkward to stand up, but it did get great audio. I did try with the last episode my smaller backup that I bought from the same place, I think within a few days of the roads, just as a second um, option to try and get two or three people involved, and it didn't really work out. I could never quite make it happen with more than one person through one USB, software just wasn't playing nice. And I realized that the second mic was a piece of crap. I mean, so to a degree, you get what you pay for. I am looking at a Blue Yeti for a replacement because you do need that for more than one. At the moment, I'm wearing a, I guess, a gamer headpiece thing. And it looks like it's bumping along quite nicely with the uh, audio. So hopefully this will be an easier way to do it by myself from now on and the audio will do just nicely. Depending on how much money I've got left after I get my car serviced, I will be getting a Blue Yeti at some point. Peter Stein was talking about selling his... Sorry, I know it's Peter Steen, but it just sounds wrong. But unless it's like 150 or less, uh, there's not much point, because it's 180 for a new one from JB. And that's how we did the last, I think, two banana splits, and they sounded pretty good. Uh, another friend, Matthew Ferrugia, has a really cool like mic box that he built with just one of those plastic tubs, and some foam, and that really cut down any amount of uh, echo effect that you normally get. Yeah, I want to steal that from him as well, or at least pay him a uh, decent amount. But again, I've got to get my car serviced. That's happening tomorrow. Managed to borrow the work ute, and they're pretty happy with how I've been going. I haven't broken anything since the last podcast. Yeah, all the hiccups have been on their end, and there's a lot of waiting around. That's the only Real problem with the job, no matter what time I start, I end up hanging around the warehouse for an hour or two before the truck is complete. And and then lately, because it's very quiet, I have to kind of drive, go slow basically to get my full eight hours. Because like today, I had like five drops and had to have a slightly longer than usual lunch just to get the full, again, eight hours. So hopefully when Rob's back, the guy that I'm replacing, things pick up and I start doing longer drives. Apparently Melbourne, Newcastle, Things like that are on the cards. And those really creamy, easy runs that just go out to and back. You're not even touching the back of the truck. You're just swapping at a servo for a different truck. And i just got to remember this time to make sure I drive into the bloody waybridge. Because on the way back, the last time I went out there, I managed to forget. I don't know how. It just, it's just fairly obvious. I know the spot. I've driven past it a million times in the car. And I guess that's why I just went into automatic pilot, forgot I was in a truck, and that's uh, a $1,500 fine at least. It might be two and a half, actually. But I'm going to wait for that to come to me. Work's already got it. They've got to put it in my name, and then I'll take it to court, take a day off, and just go, hey, look, man, please cut me a break. So I'll keep you posted on Waybridge Gate. been listening to a lot of Tell them Steve Dave. Um, I had to switch to YouTube, because after about 180 or something, they stopped being downloadable on podcast apps. So I've had to get through from there till about 2.99 on YouTube. So thankfully someone uploaded them there and haven't been copyright striked and they aren't monetized. So there's no ads, unlike my other favorite YouTube channel, which is uh, VinWiki. That's good fun, some great stories on there, but Jesus, they really monetize it. Like, I don't know if you can select different levels of how many ads you want, but they, I think they turn it all the way up to the max because there's one at the beginning, one halfway through, another one at the end, and probably a few more chucked in there just randomly. And I think that's probably a bit too much for like what's on average a 10 to 15 minute video. Hell, it's free and the stories are so good, I keep coming back for more. Again, I would pay for YouTube to avoid the ads, but they're an evil corporation. I've heard too many things about them. Basically, the way they police videos is pretty fucking broken. Uh, there's, there was a story recently to add to the shitstorm where a guy was striked out. a company that doesn't even own the music, just a whole bunch of stuff that pops up on Reddit every other day about them, you know, cutting stuff from, you know, original content creators and a lot of them are rage quitting and moving to other platforms because of just the way it's so shabbily organised. Though one thing I did hear recently was that making the YouTube premium channel stuff some of those shows like the Karate Kid Uh, Will be available for free, so I'm looking forward to watching the rest of that because I did enjoy the show, but just not quite enough to pay for it, plus every other thing. The other news on that front is that Disney Plus has been announced to start streaming in Australia in November, so looking forward to that. I'll probably have to cancel Stan because a lot of the cool Disney stuff obviously move over to Disney from Stan, and then once that's gone, like what's left? You know, there's a couple of shows I like on there that that might not make it to Disney Plus, like The Handmaiden, but once I've seen all those, I can't really justify paying another, whatever it is, $15 a month, when I'm going to spend all my time on Amazon, Disney Plus, and Netflix, which is still pumping out some fairly good original content, namely Stranger Things Season 3, which I finally finished last night. I literally binged it all in one hit, because the last time I saw Lewis, which was on the weekend just gone to watch a film... It was probably a little out of his age range, like his comfort zone. But the one I wanted to see with him, which again was probably too old for him. It was a war movie. Danger Close, something valley. Long Tan. Yeah, the Battle of Long Tan. Couldn't get the right timing for that. So I ended up watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So that was a lot of fun. And he did really enjoy it, though. The weird thing that struck me was his one comment: "That's the most violence against women I've ever seen." It was just an odd thing to note. Yeah, I still kind of half regret buying a Mortal Kombat, considering how much grief I get about whether a movie's okay for him or not from his mother. The fact that I've never heard any sort of I've never had any pushback on Mortal Kombat since he started playing it, and apparently it's still his most played game. It's kind of amusing, and given how violent. Once Upon a Time thing was the Tarantino film. No nudity or anything like that. Some gratuitous shots of short skirts and legs and things, but nothing over the top. Yeah, there was one scene where a girl offered to give him a blowjob. I think she used the words, I could suck your cock, and he turned her down, Brad Pitt's character. So that was a relief, but it was still a little dicey, but no one moved or squirmed as far as I could tell. The main problem was, yeah, the one scene at the end where they all sort of had to have a big battle, if you could call it that involving flamethrowers and cans of dog food, was a little violent, you could say. But otherwise, it was just a nice meandering uh, bunch of interesting conversations and events. And a bit like Jackie Brown in the sense that it was all over the place and, and just following these characters on their slow journey through life. But probably even less of a plot than J- Jackie Brown because there was no real um, heist involved. It was just, what are we going to do now that our career's waning in terms of the two Main characters that were tied together, the stuntman and Leonardo DiCaprio's machismo actor. It was sort of on the way out before getting a much-needed career boost, a la Tarantino-esque, in that he's done that for so many people. None of the characters in this, or so none of the actors in this, really needed that. I mean, they're all fairly successful in their own right, so it wasn't that return to form. And yeah, he has used Brad Pitt before. For some reason Lewis asked me. If any of these guys had been in his movies before, I completely forgot Inglorious Bastards and said, no, this is the first one with Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm, I know DiCaprio hasn't been in them, but Brad Pitt, I guess it was because it was such a different character to his one in Inglorious Bastards, it completely dropped out of my mind. So that's what I've been doing a bit on the skids with your old battle axe, the, the X. Things are rougher than they've ever been, I think, and weirdly, nothing dramatic really happened to get to that point. It was just, God, I don't know how much drama detail I want to get into, but essentially things are very on thin ice right now. And I did get to see the other one uh, recently. Again, I've got to be careful with how much I say, considering the issue with her parents and all that sort of thing, but it's just rough. It's rough as guts right now. So I'm hoping that by the next time I do one of these, things have improved slightly and we can figure out a way to get along because yeah for a long time she was a best friend and I'm sad that I can't really stay that way considering you break up and it's just it is a tightrope walk it is a uh, you're on a knife edge with with keeping that status and dropping out other things that are usually there even though it's been quite a long time complications arise and I think it's the same old cliche that everyone goes through but when it's happening to you it feels like it's the first time ever and no one else could ever understand but yeah, it's just one of those things it's going to have to evolve into something healthy hopefully but in the meantime things have been quite dry on that front so I'm just trying to work and it's hard with when I was making decent money with cookers I could at least put some aside and that made me feel a little bit better about not having a high status job I was like well at least I can pay the rent put some money away for the kids or whatever and have a bit of a future at some point but that's a bit harder to justify right now with the lack of hours so again hopefully that improves still enjoying life lots of stuff to watch lots of social things coming up we've got oscomicon in a month and week so that should be interesting i'll put in for media passes no idea how that's going to go i'll be turning up either way so looking forward to that hopefully lewis can come to at least one of those days and uh, well it's, it's only going to be one if any but it's such a big event surely he can uh, twist his mum's arm into turning up because, yeah, we really enjoy wandering around that thing. And, yeah, what's the go? What's the G-O? That's... Oh, yeah, so in terms of getting to that in time, I'm hoping I'll have my next costume ready, which I've already had the face mask created. I got to wear some uh, thanks to Alistair Murray. Who works at a makeup school near Broadway? I can't remember the name right now. Basically, I spent two hours sitting there getting a cast made for my head, and they're going to make a latex mask out of that that will resemble General Talos, hopefully, better than any cosplay of attempts that I've seen, because all the ones I've watched on YouTube have been poorly made uh, latex masks, not based on a cast but just makeup and and stuff like that. So according to Alistair, it's going to be better than any of the ones I've showed him so far. It'll be very close to the movie version. The problem is the costume. I've looked around and asked and here and there and just can't find anyone that is willing to put their hand to it locally or even abroad at any kind of reasonable rate. Finally, I watched a YouTube video where there was a passable costume. It was still very far from being movie spec, but I noticed everyone in it was kind of Asian. <laughs> and I realized that you might be affordable. So I got in touch with a creator, a Filipino girl, I can't remember her name, Kino Kororu or something like that. They always sort of give themselves fake Japanese names, it seems. But yeah, she agreed to do it, and it's only going to be about... 250 US dollars, so hopefully it'll pass along with the sweet ass mask and, or rather head, I don't know, it's going to be like two or three pieces, so, and the hands of course, and the other issue is getting contact lenses. And maybe some tall, cool boots at some point. So it's going to be something that can evolve over time. Eventually get a really good costume made by someone a bit more professional. But um, hopefully I can pull all that together by the end of September. If not, maybe I can get down to packs in it. I have to look at a calendar. But basically it's at some point in October. So it's not long after I was Comic Con in Sydney. Uh, and again, I've put in for a media pass for that. I really can't see myself. I'd be over the moon if I got one. So I fired off an email for it. I didn't hear back. I might have to fill out an official application, but uh, yeah, that's that's going to be tough because it's not a cheap thing to do. You've got to get tickets, obviously, or a few hundred dollars. You've got to find accommodation. You've got to get down there, all that stuff. So it's, yeah, it's... And then with the mask, I've got to find a way, and hopefully someone can teach me at some point, to put it on myself because I have to keep. if I need to keep relying on other people to sit there for two hours with me and, and apply everything, that's going to make it really hard to to uh, put on on any kind of regular basis. So, yeah, lots of work to do there. Um, in the meantime, I'll get back to the regular programming of the podcast. I know last time I talked about the Netflix prize that I read in a really old article and then I briefly skimmed the Wikipedia entry that told us that it was one, the $1 million was given out to the Belcor Pragmatic Chaos team, which had about 50 people in it if you go down further and read about who made up the team. Apparently... It did just as well, or there was another team called the Ensemble that matched the result. But since they uh, submitted their results 20 minutes later, the other guys got the prize. So that, and that was some Austrian researchers, Andreas Toscher and Michael Yarder, originally Big Team Chaos. So I think some of them were mentioned in that article that I did read. Two researchers from ATT Labs, Robert Bell and Chris Velinsky. Yehuda Koren from Yahoo and two researchers from Pragmatic Theory. Um, So there's a bunch of guys and they published a description of the algorithm and that achieved, I think it was 10.09% of uh, accuracy in terms of figuring out what people want, which doesn't sound that great, but it was better than what they could do so far. I'm guessing they're still using a form of that algorithm now and they were going to announce a second prize. or they did announce one, but then it got cancelled because they got sued in a class action lawsuit By Netflix users who didn't like that all their user data was being thrown around basically it got published by Netflix they were constructed to preserve privacy but it was still criticized by privacy advocates apparently in 2007 two researchers were able to identify individual users by matching data sets with film ratings so I don't know how they pulled that off but yeah if you really wanted to you could figure out who was who so that's why they stopped doing the competition and I've I'm, I'm got a feeling they still keep doing it on their own. They just farm it out to someone and slowly incrementally get better at figuring out what people want to watch. It's just like with Spotify when I scroll down and I can see music that's a bit like what an X band or Y DJ and uh, they're pretty good at that because I do enjoy sometimes like this afternoon. They got a bit kill me but not bored of Tell him Steve Day, but after listening to 50 hours in a row, and uh, the problem with YouTube is that you have to have it open and running. You can't just put it in your pocket. It's better when you're driving around. It's just sitting on the console. But if you're working on the back of the truck and it's got to be somewhere safe... It's easier just to have Spotify and then close the phone and let that roll. So, yeah, I, I jump on there now and then. And um, it is amazing how clever it can be in terms of coming up with a playlist of music that's of a certain genre or sounds like a certain artist. And uh, it reminds me of that film, Her, where the main character, played by Joaquin Phoenix, just tells his AI friend to basically play a certain kind of music based on his emotions and feelings. And it's, we're pretty much there by the look of it, because I'm sure you could voice activate it, some kind of software and, and do something similar. So more of a speculative fiction than science fiction, that movie, other than the fact that Scarlett Johansson ends up basically evolving to become her own sentient being, smarter than any human. So, yeah, I can close that page now about... I like. I reckon there'd be a book in that if if someone did all the research. I'm not going to go through every single reference, but yeah, there is a kernel of interesting psychology converging with maths there, which I'll never quite get my head around. It is sort of winking there in the distance is something that I wouldn't mind solving one day. I've had enough time, but for now, I'm done with that. And I'll go into something a bit more prosaic, but still interesting, a Wikipedia entry about a guy named Ken McElroy. I remember reading about him in a Reddit thread, of course, somewhere, where people were talking about interesting... Stories and history and stuff you wouldn't believe. I can't remember exactly, specifically, what it was. But it did lead me down this rabbit hole. And now you're going to join me at about 20 minutes in. And that might do it for this episode. So, Ken, born in 1934 and dying in 1981, so he lived a good life, was a resident of Skidmore, Nodaway County, Missouri. Known as the Town Bully... His unsolved killing became the focus of international attention. And you'll see why in a minute. I mean, he got around and he was a piece of shit. Over the course of his life, he was accused of dozens of felonies, including assault, child molestation, statutory rape, arson, hog and cattle rustling. I mean, this is in the 50s and 60s. I guess that was still a thing. And burglary, of course. In all, he was indicted 21 times, but escaped conviction each time, except for the last. In 1981... McElroy was convicted of shooting and seriously injuring the town's seventy-year-old grocer ernest bo Bowenkamp. he successfully appealed the conviction and was released on bond after which he engaged in ongoing harassment against boenkamp and others who were sympathetic to boenkamp including the town's church of christ minister he appeared in a local bar the d and g tavern armed with an m1 garand rifle and bayonet and later threatened to kill Camp. the next day mcelroy was shot to death in broad daylight as he sat with his wife Trina in his pickup truck on the main street he was struck by bullets from at least two different firearms in front of a crowd of people estimated as between 30 and 46 to date no one has been charged in connection with mcelroy's death i mean that's kind of the The point of the story, really, is how many people saw it, and yet there were no witnesses. Basically, this guy can't be very popular, and you'll see why. He was born in 1934, the 15th of 16 children, born to a poor migrant tenant farming couple named Tony and Mabel, who had moved between Kansas and the Ozarks before settling outside of Skidmore. He dropped out of school at age 15 in the 8th grade and quickly established a local reputation as a raccoon hunter. Why could I suddenly not pronounce that word? Let's try again. As a raccoon hunter, (laughs) that's going to have to do. Cattle rustler, small-time thief and womanizer. For more than two decades, he was suspected of being involved in the theft of grain, gasoline, alcohol, antiques, but he avoided conviction when charges were brought against him 21 times, often after witnesses refused to testify because he intimidated them frequently by following his targets or parking outside their homes and watching them. He was represented by Gallatin, Missouri, defense attorney Richard Jean McFadden. He fathered more than 10 children with 10 different women. He met his last wife, Trina McLeod, died in 2012, so she lived a full life. Wait, so she was born in 57, and he was born in 1934, so he was a lot older. So he met her when she was 12 and in 8th grade. She became pregnant when she was 14, dropped out of school in the 9th grade, and went to live with McElroy and his third wife, Alice. Real classy stuff, this. He divorced Alice and married Trina in order to escape charges of rape, to which she was the only witness. Sixteen days after Trina gave birth, both she and Alice fled to Trina's mother's and stepfather's house. According to court records, McElroy tracked them down and brought them back. He then returned to Trina's parents' home when they were away, shot the family dog and burn down the house. Lovely chap. Based on Trina's story, McElroy was indicted for arson, assault, and statutory rape. This is in 1973. He was arrested, booked, arraigned, and released on a $2,500 bail. How is he keep getting bail? Because immediately all he does then is intimidate everyone and they all refuse to testify. I mean, after the 20th time, you'd think, come on, that's... Or even after the Dozens time someone would step in. Trina and her baby were placed in foster care. McElroy sat outside the foster home for hours at a time staring and told the foster family that he would trade girl for girl to get his child back since he knew where the foster family's biological daughter went to school and what bus route she rode. Additional charges were filed. <laughs> at least they didn't seem to crumble at before his overwhelming attempt at intimidation on July 27 1976 so this is uh, three years later Skidmore farmer Romaine Henry said McElroy shot him twice with a shotgun after Henry challenged him for shooting weapons on Henry's property he was charged with assault with intent to kill McElroy denied he was at the scene as the case dragged on without a court date Henry said McElroy had ch- parked outside his home at least a hundred times At the trial two raccoon hunters testified they were with McElroy the day of the shooting. Henry was forced to admit in court that he had concealed his own petty criminal conviction from more than 30 years previous. McElroy was acquitted. Wow, okay. Really hard to get this guy pinned on anything. In 1980, one of McElroy's children got into an argument with a clerk, Evelyn Sonny, in a local grocery store owned by 70-year-old Ernest Bonecamp, Allegedly because a younger McElroy child tried to steal some candy. McElroy began stalking the Camp family and eventually threatened Bow in the back of his stall with a shotgun in hand. In the ensuing confrontation, McElroy shot Camp in the neck. Bow survives, and McElroy was arrested and charged with attempted murder. McElroy was convicted of assault. How does he get away with this every time? But freed on bail pending appeal. Like, who... F- Gets bail after nah. immediately after being released at post trial hearing, he went to the DNG tavern and attacked everyone with his bayonet and made graphic threats about what he would do. This led to several patrons deciding to see what they could legally do to prevent him from harming anyone else. Nodaway County Sheriff Dan Estes suggested they form a neighbourhood watch. His appeal hearing was again delayed. On the morning of July 10, 1981, Townspeople met at the Legion Hall in the centre of town with Sheriff Estes to discuss how to protect themselves. During the meeting, McElroy arrived at the d Tavern with Trina. As he sat drinking at the bar, so this is in the morning is at the bar, word got back at the hall that he was in town. Sheriff instructed the assembled group not to get into a direct confrontation but instead seriously consider forming a neighbourhood watch program. Estes then (laughs) drove out of town in his police cruiser. I'm sure that was completely uncalculated. Like, I'm just gonna go over here, guys. Don't mind me. The citizens then went to the tavern en masse. The bar soon filled completely. After McElroy finished his drinks, at least they let him do that, he purchased a six-pack of beer, left the bar and entered his pickup truck. Someone shot him while he was sitting in the truck. He was shot at several times and hit twice, once by a fire rifle and once by a twenty two. In all, there were 46 potential witnesses to the shooting, including Trina McElroy, who was in the truck with her husband when he was shot. No one called for an ambulance, only Trina claimed to identify a gunman. Every other witness was unable to name an assailant or claim not to have seen who fired the fatal shots. The DA declined to press charges. So, the DA here must be the laziest, like, district attorney in america i mean at least it goes both ways he doesn't mess with mcelroy when things go bad too much like yeah go and bail you'll be fine but when someone finally fights back he also doesn't really do much an extensive federal investigation did not lead to any charges he was buried at memorial park cemetery in 1984 trina filed a six million dollar wrongful death lawsuit against the town uh, the mayor and del clement whom trina accused of being the shooter so there we, probably was him, but probably buy him a beer. I'm sure he got a lot of beer for free in the next couple of years. The case was later settled out of court for the sum of $17,000, with no one admitting guilt for the stated reason of avoiding costly legal fees. Trina remarried and moved to Lebanon, Missouri, where she died of cancer. So it sounds like things worked out for her, and she pretty much only sued for the money rather than being too distraught over good old McElroy. So yeah, that's the brief rundown on him. Um, It was covered in episode 53 of My Favourite Murder. If you want to hear the story told properly, maybe go listen to that. (laughs) I'm sure I will one day. It's in my list. Just, yeah, got to get through the rest of Tell 'em Steve, Dave, and all the other smodcast stuff that's been building up, including Fat Man Beyond, my favourite. And tonight, apparently, because I saw the tweet today, Kevin said he'll be talking about the latest news that's uh, hit the press, which is basically that it's heartbreaking news, really. I mean, this is bigger than anything I've seen for a while, and the fact that Sony and Disney, the talks have broken down in the latest negotiations to keep Spider-Man involved in the MCU. Sony has decided to halt any talk of that happening again until Disney agrees to pay, I think it's like 90% of the profits to go to Fox basically Disney wants 50 50 you know considering Fox has the rights to the character sure I can see why they want more of the money but considering it's Kevin Feige and the Disney writing team and all their money that's made his film so great at least the first two and all his involvement in the Avengers movies I don't know 50 50 sounds kind of fair so everyone's fairly pissed off at Sony right now hopefully they go back to the negotiating table at some point point. That's, yeah, and I'll be talking about that on Sunday at the guys at Banana Split. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty troubling news because Tom Holland really is the best Spider-Man so far, and it's it's been a great journey. And I'd hate to see it come to a abrupt end just because of basically greed and some backroom dealing that went south. So there we are, right? Over half an hour. And I I'll, I'll think I'll, I'll call it for now on this day, the 21st of August. And hopefully, I'll have a bit more interesting news. Next week, now that I know this works, this is literally the first time I've ever used the mic on this headphone set. Up till now, it's just basically been acting as a speaker when I jump on the computer. So I hope you went, it went well. I hope you enjoyed it. Do get back to me if you're listening to this at whatever point in time it is, because I'll think it's really cute that someone actually heard it and it wasn't too painful. So that's all I want to hear. For now, have a week. This has been a solid 60.